Hey everybody, welcome to episode 295 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, coming to you from what is a cold and rainy day in Austin, Texas that, trust me, we welcome with open arms because it's been a warm, warm fall so far here in Austin. I'm also fresh off a fun weekend in Indianapolis where we had 50 plus rogues racing the Indianapolis Monumental half marathon or marathon. And I'm absolutely buzzing from what I witnessed there, which I'll talk about in a second. But what I wanted to do today was actually give you a little snapshot into what a rogue weekend is like when you go to one of our destination races. And one of the things that we do is I give a pre-race pep talk typically the day before the race. And so what I want to do today is sort of recreate that pep talk here so that you can get the benefit of some of the words that I shared with the group last week, because I think it would help anybody, regardless of whether you just race or are racing still to come here in the fall. So what we're going to talk about today and what I share with the group is what does it look like to give your all on race day? What does it look like to give your all on race day? How do you take that and put it into tactical, tangible steps versus this ephemeral sort of feeling or thought. And as I talked about on a couple of episodes ago, when I talked about redefining, reframing success, you can claim success on race day if you give your all. But I think there's some misconceptions about what that means, what that looks like. And I think sometimes we wonder, well, tactically, how do I actually do that? And so I'm going to give you five things today in terms of putting that to action when you actually show up on that starting line. So we'll get to that in just a second. First of all, I wanted to thank my sponsors for this episode, my longtime partner now. We've been working together now for almost two years. Care Of is sponsoring this episode. And then my new partner from just a couple of weeks ago, BetterHelp, one of the largest online therapy providers. So we'll be talking about offers from both of those as we go through the episode. Thanks again to Care Of and BetterHelp for sponsoring the podcast. Secondly, by way of intro, we got to talk about the races this past weekend. Intense conditions, to say the least, both in Indianapolis, where I was, as well as in New York. Indianapolis had a little bit warm temperatures, but at least it was overcast, but it was raining the whole morning, as well as very, very windy, which ended up being the toughest variable. In Indy, we had winds coming from the south, so that meant the last four miles of the half marathon and the last 13 miles of the marathon were into that wind in one form or another, which made for very, very tough conditions. And then, of course, in New York, it was unseasonably warm. I think second hottest New York on record, if I've got my stats right, warming into the mid-70s with sunny conditions, so very, very difficult. I think the last race that had such warm conditions was 1979 when it reached 80 degrees. So pretty crazy. And obviously you had to make adjustments if you were racing out there because the heat was going to get you one way or another. But in spite of that, I can say there were many, many inspiring performances. It was personally really exciting and fun to see the results in Indianapolis from our group. But a lot of people still earn PRs. A lot of people still get Boston qualifiers. And certainly everybody gave their all out there and being able to witness that and see that was absolutely amazing and very, very, very proud of our group for showing up in spite of very challenging conditions. That wind especially was brutal. I mean, there were parts 
where you would enter these intersections near downtown and the wind would just tunnel into you and it felt like it might be pushing you backwards or at a minimum holding you in place. So really, really tough to fight through that, especially for those marathoners who had to face that wind in one form or fashion for nearly half the race. So exciting to see people still show up regardless of that. And same in New York, had some runners there make their heat adjustments and still run very, very strong races. So kudos to everybody who was able to fight those conditions and come through the other side and demonstrate that strength. It was one of those days where you had to perhaps throw the time goals out the window in lieu of the conditions, but where you could still give your all and be very, very proud of the of the result, which is exactly what we'll be talking about here today. And then of course, on the elite side, a lot of a lot of fun dynamics in both of those races with the men's race having that early leader, the Brazilian athlete who went out at world record pace for a big chunk of the first half and gapped the field and then obviously was later caught by Evans Chabet, who also won Boston this year for an epic race on the men's side. And then the women's race went down to Central Park with three women battling and ultimately Sharon Lokity, a debutante in the marathon who battled them all the way to the line and ultimately got the victory. She trains here in the U.S. in Flagstaff with Dark Sky Distance Elite. That is a group that is sponsored by Under Armour. So cool to see that result from her. And then, of course, first Americans were Alphine Tuliamuk coming back from having her first child and also dealing with some injuries in the aftermath of that, as well as on the men's side, Scott Fobble, who also happened to be first American at Boston. So great races from those two as well. It's exciting races all around. And again, a lot of inspiration to be had out there for anybody who towed the line and battled and fought through those conditions to get to that finish line. Absolute kudos to all of you. Very, very inspiring weekend to watch. We don't, we can't control the weather, but we can control how we respond to the weather. And I saw so many strong responses out there and that was pretty awesome to see. Very inspiring for me and my own personal racing journey. So there you go. Those are our intro items. But now I want to jump into my main topic here and talk about what does it look like to actually give your all on race day? How do you put that to work tactically? And I want to frame it up first before I get into the five ways you can do that. I want to frame it up first by comparing a couple of results. If I asked you to compare a 239 marathon to a 223 marathon for the same elite marathoner, which would you say is a better result? Which would you say is a better result, 239 or 223? You're just looking at the time, you would say, well, obviously the 223 is a faster race, so that's got to be the better result. But ultimately, if you drill under the details of those two races, and in this specific case, I'm talking about Des Linden running 239 in 2018 at Boston to get the victory in what was torrential downpour rain and windy conditions versus another result for Des Linden in 2011 in Boston on the same course where she ran 223 in 2011 to finish second by just a couple of seconds. Which would you say is the better result now? Then you might point to that 239 because she got the victory. If you ask Des, I don't know what she would say. Because perhaps maybe she thinks of those in a very similar light as two races where she gave her all 
And ultimately the outcome was the outcome. Once one day she won and that obviously changed her life. The other day she got second, but man, if you've seen that finish, it was absolutely inspiring to see her going back and forth with another athlete on Boylston. And yes, ultimately she finished second, but she battled all the way to that finish line. So which is better? I don't know. (laughs) At least for Des, I don't know. But even though those times are 16 minutes apart, they're at least both in the same conversation about which might be a better result now that you know the context. And so that's an important part of this equation is that you have to know the context. And, and we often try to measure ourselves only on the time of the clock, but there's so much more to it. That's just one example of that fact. The other thing that that example points to us is the fact that that 239 was a day in which Des didn't necessarily feel great. She would say that early in that race, she wasn't feeling good, thought she might end up dropping out. That's part of the reason why she helped Shalane Flanagan, who stopped to go to the bathroom. She helped pace her back to the group. And so she thought, well, this isn't my day. So the other thing to note as we open this conversation is the fact that giving your all doesn't necessarily look perfect. And it doesn't necessarily look heroic. Dad also would say that day that she stayed in it because you never know. And then ultimately she got to a place where there were only four of them. And she thought, well, I can't drop out now. There's only four of us left. Three of us are going to end up on the podium. And so she continued to stay in it. But it wasn't a day where she felt her best necessarily. It was a day where she also had doubts swirling in her head. I think sometimes we think of these examples of giving her all meaning that we never have doubts that everything goes perfectly in our mind and that's just not reality and so though that day she continued to stay in and then ultimately got the big result the 239 with the victory but again not a perfect day she still had doubts swirling she dealt with those doubts but it wasn't something that was rainbows and unicorns from start to finish and also it wasn't necessarily heroic what she did. I mean, amazing, absolutely, the way she fought through those conditions and finished strong. But everyone has access to that ability. She was doing nothing more than what she was trained to do in those rainy and windy long runs in Michigan winters. So I submit, as we frame this discussion, that... Your result doesn't have to be heroic. Your effort doesn't have to look heroic. It also doesn't have to look perfect. You're going to have doubts swirling in your head. It's just a matter of how you process and work through those doubts in any race. So let's talk now about the five things you can do to give your all on race day. What does that look like tactically? First of all, it looks like you owning the fact that you have access to this thing, this ability to give your all. Own it, and I submit that you can own it by trusting yourself and the work that you've done. By first reflecting on your training and your preparation. Because here's the beautiful thing about giving your all, is that everybody can do it. Every single person has access to it. It is not something that is that is controlled exclusively by those at the front of the pack or those elite athletes. 
who might be running faster than you, they have access to it just like you have access to it. And so own the fact that you have access to it. And how do you have access to it? You have access by the work, access to it by the work that you've done. So step one here in giving your all is reviewing your training and going back and noting the preparation that you've done to remind yourself that you too have the power to execute exactly what you've been trained to do on race day. So I talked about this a little bit in my last episode of going back and reviewing your training logs to note those things, but this is highly important. Go back and note the miles that you've put in, note the long runs that you've done, note the difficult workouts, perhaps in tough conditions that you've done, and in particular, put a circle around those really, really tough days. Sometimes in our rogue vernacular, I like to, say, I like to call workouts anything workouts. An anything workout is a workout that if you do it, if you complete it, if you get it done, then you can do anything. And I would say that that can look like potentially a tough long run that you do in tough conditions. It could also look like a hard long run where you might include pace work or that might be hilly or that where you might face adversity. Those workouts are the ones that you want to be reflecting on because if you can face challenge in training, then you can certainly face it on race day. And so reflect on the work that you've done, the preparation that you've put in, and own the fact that you too have access to this ability to give your all, just like everybody else that's towing the line. So that's number one. Number two is I think you have to not grip too tightly on the outcome. Not grip too tightly on the outcome. What do I mean by that? Again, in Dez's situation, she ran a 223 in 2011. She ran a 239 in 2018. One was second, one was first. If I had told her, Dez, in 2011, after finishing second on Boylston, that she would someday win Boston, but that it would come in a time of 239 versus her 223 on that day, I guarantee you that she would not care about the time because. She would know that that result, that first place, that olive wreath would be the real prize. And so that's something that I think we have to keep in mind, especially on tough weather days. I know oftentimes we want to have those PR days. We want to judge our performance by the clock. But the reality is you're measured by so much more than just the clock. And so you need to let go a bit on how you define success not grip so tightly on the potential outcomes. Again, this is especially true in warm conditions or in windy conditions like we faced in Indianapolis. Now, the trick here is that this isn't about settling or accepting a lesser outcome. It's not about that at all. It's simply about recognizing the fact that giving your all is more important than how we traditionally measure success in races. Again, oftentimes we're looking solely at that clock when the reality is there are so many other ways to define success. And if I think about my marathoning history, then I have several races that I can be proud of regardless of the time difference. And in fact, if I'm comparing a couple of my results, I could compare my PR in Houston in 2018 where I ran 245 and change to my 
341 in Boston in 2016, where I had to walk the last five miles because of a stress fracture in my heel. In my head, comparing those two races, they're actually at the same spot. I'm equally proud of them both. Why? Because in both situations, I absolutely gave my all. In Houston, in 2018, as I was chasing a PR that day, I started to feel pretty bad about 10 miles to the finish line. And I knew and I remember telling myself in my head that this would be the toughest 10 miles I'd ever run. I also knew that it was going to be very, very close to getting APR that day. My margins would be razor thin. And so I gave everything. I used all the mental tricks in my toolkit to get to that finish line and end up setting a PR by 12 seconds on that day, just running at the absolute limit for 10 miles. Very proud of that result. Also proud of the time. If I compare that to 2016 Boston, where I ran a 341 in what is my personal worst marathon time, again, I think of them in a very similar way in that on that 341 day, that was the best I had on that day. I had pain in my heel that caused me to have to walk the final five miles of the Boston Marathon. I knew that I would cause greater injury if I did more than that. And so in spite of the crowds trying to egg me on and in spite of all the emotions I was feeling and thoughts I had to quit that race, I kept moving, took it one small step at a time. It took me a long time to walk those five miles, but I got to that finish line. And for me on that day, what it giving my all looked like was that 341 and walking the last five miles. I have nothing that I need redemption for on that day because I gave everything I had on that given day and the result was a 341. So in my head, I actually think of those two races in a very similar way. Obviously, the outcomes were very different and I'm proud of them for different reasons, but I'm equally proud of those two results. And so you have to not have such a tight grip on the outcome. Just know that success can be defined in a lot of ways and ultimately, most importantly, by did you give your all or not? So that's number two is you have to loosen your grip on the outcome. Before I get to number three, I want to talk about my new sponsor, BetterHelp. They are the largest online therapy provider. They've helped over three million people get matched to therapists to help them deal with whatever they might be facing from a mental health perspective. I can tell you that it is sometimes hard to admit that you need help in this way. And I know there's a stigma out there in our society about seeing a therapist, but it's something that I highly recommend. I can tell you when I lost a friend in 2019, he was in his early 40s and died way too young from a very strange illness. And it took me about six months to realize that I had lingering grief that I wasn't processing well, that I wasn't dealing with. And in my world, it was manifesting in a lot of anger that I was especially bottling up inside at the whole situation. And so I realized that I needed to see a therapist then, made that decision, although it took me six months and I was happy that I did it. Worked with a therapist for about four months to help me process all of that. And it was really, really helpful. And I wish I had started sooner. So I highly recommend that you seek help. And it may not be a situation like that. It could be even a situation like how do I deal with a specific parenting challenge? 
which is another thing that I'm seeking help over now. And so I highly recommend that you check out BetterHelp. You can fill out a questionnaire that will help them match you to a therapist. And then it's really easy. It's online. It's convenient. You can do virtual interactions in a few different ways, including by video, and you can get the help that you need. So to learn more and get 10% off on your first month at BetterHelp, go to betterhelp.com forward slash running rogue. Again, that's betterhelp.com forward slash running rogue for 10% off your first month. Don't delay. Get the help that you need. Okay, let's jump back into my conversation, getting to number three here. Number three, what does it look like to give your all? especially on days that are less than ideal, like we had in Indy with the wind or in New York with the heat, is that you have to make adjustments to your plan and then execute it. Make adjustments to your plan and execute it. So giving your all looks like making those smart adjustments to the weather that you might face. Now, there's a thought process probably in anybody's head that if the weather's tough or if the heat is there, that they're just going to go run their original plan anyway, because that in their mind might be the heroic thing to do. And I would actually submit that it takes more courage to adjust than it does to stay the course. Because when you stay the course, it gives you an easy out, easy excuse to simply blow up and then point to the reason being the external factor that caused you to struggle. And so if you're dealing with a situation where you have warm weather or whether you have windy conditions or other challenging conditions, then I would encourage you to have the courage to make your adjustments so that you can then still give yourself an opportunity to run your best. So on a warm day in New York, I told people that you need to adjust by 30 to 40 seconds per mile for most of them in order to have an equivalent effort that you would have if the weather was better. Typically, I would also suggest that you can use a rule of thumb for every five degrees over 55, then you should add about 10 seconds per mile to a marathon or a half marathon in order to get an equivalent effort pace. So in New York, that for a lot of people ended up being 30 to 40 second adjustment. If you didn't make that adjustment, then you probably paid for it. In windy conditions in Indianapolis, like we faced, where the conditions were 20 plus miles an hour into that headwind coming home, then that was a 20 to 30 second adjustment. You simply can't fight physics. And running into winds like that would be like suddenly being escorted to 8,000 feet or suddenly being thrust into. 65 degree weather or suddenly being in a situation where somebody's actively pushing against you while you're trying to run. So you can't fight that. You have to make those adjustments. I encouraged our runners in Indianapolis to make those adjustments. Many of them did and it ended up still having strong races. For this example, I talked to actually Kara Goucher before I did my pep talk and I asked her what advice she would give in this situation. And she told me the story about her New York City race in 2014, where she was facing a similar decision. It was windy that day, winds coming from the north, which meant that they would be running into those winds for the first roughly 20 miles of the race. She had a decision to run with a 225 pack 
in those conditions or drop back and run to it with a 240 pack. She knew that the 225 was probably a little fast for her given her training and given the conditions, but she stubbornly chose to run with that pack anyway. And then ultimately about 13 or 14 miles ended up popping off the back of that pack and having to face the wind on her own for the rest of the race. And so she was talking about the regret that she had not making that adjustment. And ultimately, she would be passed in the home stretch by people that had been originally in that 240 group. So she wishes she had either chosen to run her own rhythm from the beginning or potentially drop back to run with that 240 group. And she didn't have the courage, but she would encourage others to have the courage to make those adjustments because she would say in my conversation that day, she said, I want people to be confident enough to say that I want to be running my strongest in the toughest part of the race. I want to be running my strongest in the toughest part of the race. Giving your all looks like making the smart adjustments. And then once you make those adjustments, doing your best to execute your plan. Doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect in execution. That's not what we're talking about. It's just that spirit of doing your best to execute a plan so that you can give yourself the best chance in the end. As Kara said, to be your strongest in the toughest part of the race. So number three here is simply adjusting if needed and executing your plan. That's what it looks like to give your all. Number four is having your mental game very, very sharp. Number four means having your mental game very, very sharp. Make sure you bring your full mental toolkit to bear. What does that look like? Well, Here's some tactics underneath that thought. One is to visualize whatever you might face on race day. That includes this idea of giving your all. I encourage our runners to visualize facing the wind in Indianapolis. I would encourage anybody who is facing warm conditions to visualize what that means in, in terms of dealing with it, of course, just the raw conditions, but also perhaps dealing with the adjustments that you need to make in order to run well in those conditions. Visualize the race from start to finish. As I've said before in this podcast, there is science that tells us when you visualize something, then it gives you a neurological response as if you're doing that thing in real life. And because for the most part, when we're towing the line in these races, we can never actually do it until we do it, then this is a way to basically prepare your body for what you're going to face. Might sound cheesy, but it works. So visualize what you're going to face. Visualize also dealing with those challenging moments and putting your mental tools to work in order to fight through them. So that's point number one is visualize. Another point that I made to the group is that obviously have your mantras ready. And in the case of tough weather, you may need an additional type of mantra. In India, I recommended that people have rhythm mantras for those early miles to find a rhythm, to get comfortable, to be efficient. I recommend obviously having fight mantras as I talk about on this episode, on this podcast so that they can fight and challenge whatever might face them at the end. But also I recommend having a wind mantra. And if you were in New York, I would have recommended recommended having a heat mantra. What are you going to use? What word phrase are you going to use to deal with and fight the specific condition that you might be facing on race day? Have a mantra for it so that you can focus the mind away from the anger and frustration and and 
challenge that you might feel and focus it on just doing the task at hand and working through it. That doesn't mean, of course, that everything's perfect and that you're not dealing with any frustration that might bubble up as well, but it just gives you a place to channel that frustration. Then also I recommend channeling others, channeling others by thinking about somebody that you know that's No different from you that perhaps you work with, you train with, that you've seen race in person, that might be a friend, family, training partner, whoever. I recommend you think about one of their results and pick out one that's inspiring, that you can channel as well, that you can use as inspiration for your own race. So who is it that has had a finish, maybe in tough conditions, that inspired you? Somebody, again, that looks just like you, that trains like you, that's not out of this realm. I'm not necessarily talking about an elite athlete, although certainly it could be that if that's inspiring to you. But think about a finish from somebody else that you might be close to that you can channel. Because if they can do it, you can do it too. Also, I recommend channeling others who might be watching and cheering. Those that are on course, those that are perhaps watching the tracking app or the feed channel that as well. And every time you cross a timing mat out there, just know you're communicating with your people that they're there behind you with you in spirit and you can channel that energy. And of course, as a part of that, remember that that their cheering is not creating any undue pressure. It's not a a burden to have people watch and cheer because they're going to love you no matter the outcome, but it can help you give you that mojo. And I would encourage you if you have anybody that's going to be physically in person to think about strategically where you might want them on the race course to give you that extra push, that little bit of motivation to really dig deep. As a part of that, I also encourage people to channel their own power and to think about their own responsibility to also inspire others. There will be those that watch your result and watch how you handle yourself, and then they will be able to channel that into their own races. So I encourage you not to think about that as a burden, but rather as an opportunity to empower, to inspire other people that might come after you, especially for those that run in a training group or that those have those around you that might similarly put their goals on the line like you do. Each opportunity you toe the line is an opportunity to inspire others. And again, it doesn't have to be heroic. It doesn't have to look perfect. All it has to look like is you giving your all and others will be able to channel you just like you're channeling others. And there's a beautiful cycle in all of that. So make sure that your mental toolkit is sharp. I always remind people too at the end of these races to remember that if you're not passing people in a half or full at the end, you're probably slowing down yourself. So don't forget to go fishing too. Chase those bodies in front of you push through, pick out the singlet or the t-shirt of that person that might be 40, 50 meters ahead, go run them down and then find somebody else to run down. Always, always go fishing because that's a good carrot to carry you to the finish line. Okay, that's number four. Make sure your mental game is strong. Your mental toolkit is packed and ready to tow the line. Now, before I get to number five, I want to talk about my other partner for this episode, Care Of. I've been working with them now for a couple of years. They help me get my daily vitamin and mineral needs. And I think as we enter this crazy time of year, the holidays, when it's hard to stay on top of life because there's so much coming at us, that one of the things that we can neglect perhaps is taking 
the basic supplements and nutrition that you need on a daily basis to perform in your running. And so I would highly encourage you to use somebody like care of they're, they're the ones that help me stay on top of my daily supplementation needs because it may, they make it really easy. You can go to their website, you can fill out their quiz, you enter your goals and they'll give you some recommendations on what to include in your daily vitamin packs. You can also add other things to their packs. Additionally, then the other thing I like about care of is the fact that they tell you exactly what's in everything you're taking. They also tell you the science behind everything that you might take. So you can do your own research and decide how to build those packs in a way that's going to help you be strong and perform. So to take advantage and get 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com forward slash running rogue. Again, that's takecareof.com forward slash running rogue for 50% off your first order. It's been working for me for over two years now. I promise you it'll work for you. Go check it out. Okay, let's wrap things up here with number five on my list of ways to tactically give your all on race day. Number five is to relentlessly keep moving forward. Relentlessly keep moving forward. Again, as I talked about in the intro here, I think sometimes we want to believe that giving your all is some sort of magical and heroic thing, and it, and it can be, certainly, but it doesn't have to be. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have no doubts, that you have no demons that you're facing in the race itself. It just simply means that when it gets hard, you keep moving forward. You keep moving forward, no matter what. You keep moving forward. For me in Boston in 2016, that looked like walking the last five miles of the race. I kept moving forward. For me in 2018 in Houston, when I ended up getting my PR, it looked like grunting and pressing and using all the mental tricks in my head just to maintain the pace that I needed to PR. And I PR'd that day by 12 seconds over my prior PR. So it can look like a lot of things. 2015, when I ran a race near the Detroit area, when it ended up being 70 plus degrees in the middle of the race, it looked like slowing down over those final miles, but still giving everything I had to that finish line because the heat did get the better of me on that day. So it doesn't necessarily look like anything heroic. It certainly doesn't look like not having doubts. It just looks like when you face those doubts, when when you want to stop, that you just keep moving forward. And you might even choose at some point to stop. But if then you make the decision to keep moving. That's all we're talking about here. A relentless forward progress all the way to that finish line. That's when you can stop. And so just remember that giving your all doesn't have to look a certain way in the end. It just looks like continuing to fight, continuing to move forward, continue to do everything you can to get to that finish line. And if you can do that, then you can claim victory. You can claim success. You can say, hey, Time may not be what I wanted, but I gave my all, and that's something I can be proud of. And if you frame these results in that way, then I promise you, down the road when you reflect back, you can look back on a whole spectrum of races, regardless of the times on the clock, and you can be proud of those races in different ways. And that is, in my mind, absolutely beautiful and really what it's all about. So number five is just keep moving no matter what. 
no matter the doubts that come, no matter the challenges you face, no matter the weather and the conditions, but just keep moving forward. Now, as we wrap here, I want to leave you with one final thought. And this is the last question that I asked of the group when I was talking to them last week. And it was simply, why are you here? Why do you do this? Why do you toe the line and put yourself in these situations where you're trying to run a certain time, you're trying to cover the distance for the first time? Why do we set big goals and go after them? And I would submit that most people who are as invested in their running, that they're listening to me talk on a weekly basis on this podcast, I would submit that you're doing it because you want these moments. You want the tough situations. You want the challenges. You want to see what happens when you get pushed to the limit and see how you respond. You're trying to find out something about yourself when it gets hard. And I promise you, when the conditions are tough, when it gets tough in a race, these are the exact moments where you get to answer that question. When you get to find out who you are is in the tough moments. So I encourage you to remember that that's for the most part why we're doing this. And so don't shy away from the tough conditions. Don't shy away from the challenging moments because that's exactly what you came here for in the first place. So remember that as we wrap this episode. Thanks again to my sponsors, Care Of and BetterHelp for supporting this episode. Thanks to all of you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Rogue Running, you can go to roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.